The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon, and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. You know, one of the most important tasks of maturity is learning to accept another person as is while simultaneously holding on to one's authenticity. But most of us go through a few relationships with Mr. or Mrs. Wrong before we get involved with someone with whom we can actually complete this task. This should be someone we cannot control and who cannot control us. It should be someone who encourages our authenticity as we encourage theirs. But what does it take to grow to the point where we can have such a relationship? Well... That is the $65,000 question, as they say, and this show is going to answer it. So you want to be here for the whole show. Don't miss any of it. We've got a clip from one of Oprah's uh, Super Soul Sundays coming up uh, also that you want to be here for. And so let's talk a little bit about what we mean by having a healthy, happy relationship. So a healthy relationship is one that does not prop up your role. And that's what we're looking for a lot of times, unfortunately, is someone who will help us stay stuck right where we are. That's unfortunate, but it is what we do because where we are, the identity we're stuck in is the one that seems to give us the greatest level of security. And so we want to keep it. We don't want anybody messing with it. So this is how this works. Identity is something that is a major factor in attraction. So if I am, uh, if I believe that I am a certain way, then I'm going to have parameters around who I'll be attracted to so that I can only be attracted to people who will help me maintain that belief. It's when we set that role or that mask and costume or that identity free that we begin to be attracted to people who are more authentic. And that's the general process. So let's talk a little bit about how that happens. We've talked about identity several times on this show, and we will continue to talk about it because it's a subject that's not talked about enough. Identity is a trance state. It is a state, a hypnotic trance state. Uh, Brad Brad Shaw talks about uh, how we develop what's called a family trance, in which all the family does the same thing, knows the same rules, even if they're never spoken. We all just sort of get into this trance, and we do the do the things we do based on how that works. Now, it doesn't have to be functional. I remember one uh, situation I worked with many years ago, where uh, a father and son fought all the time. And they, they would not make eye contact any other time except when they were fighting. And when we discovered that, they began to see that fighting was their way of managing to maintain some kind of connection 
uh, though they were both uh, manly men and did not w- believe in mushiness and vulnerability so that making eye contact any, uh, eye contact any other time was uh, uh, against the rules. And both of them were doing it without knowing they were doing it. And that's the way a trans state works. We do what we do without knowing we're doing it. And uh, so they both had identified in a certain way and they were I- interacting with each other based on those identities not based on authenticity or real needs, but on their identities. And, uh, and they were able to set the identity aside in order to have something better when they realized what they were up to. And that's what it takes, is realizing what we're up to. So many of us in our immaturity don't realize what we're up to. And so the process of maturity necessarily includes figuring out what we're up to and, and in that process learning also to accept another person just the way they are. Oprah has a saying, I believe that Maya Angelou might have said it first, but uh, it, it is, if someone shows you or tells you who they are, believe them. So acceptance doesn't just mean, uh, you know, te- accepting somebody who's a pretty good person and you want to be with them. Acceptance also means accepting that a person isn't who you want to be with or it, that their, the relationship you have with them is not working. So acceptance includes seeing reality as is. As it is. No fantasies attached, just the cold, hard reality as is. And when we can do that, when we can be brave enough to allow ourselves to do that, often our identity shifts slightly because we have to be able to shift that identity in order to stop looking through its lenses. Okay, so how does identity form? Identity is formed way early in childhood. Um, I really love Bruce Lipton's work in his uh, latest book, The Honeymoon Effect, uh, about that. And I heard him speak on this topic as well when he talked about uh, the various uh, brainwave patterns that were happening at certain ages when we were little. What he discovered was that from infancy to two, we're in a delta brainwave pattern, which is a very sleepy kind of, you know, receptive pattern. It's not, you're not really doing much or get, you know, putting out much, but you're receiving a whole lot of stimuli. And um, so you respond to it, but you're not really coming from yourself to give out of yourself. You're responding to external stimuli. Um, because children at that age are looking for mirrors, they are, and this is not what he said, this is what I say. Children are looking for mirrors. They are looking for, who am I this time? And they're looking to their environment to tell them. Unfortunately, our environment lies. <laughs> and, it, and we get false data from all kinds of resources, but we identify with it. It's that same thing that we see animals doing. It's called imprinting. We identify with it, and we become that. We act as if that's the whole of who we are. This is why sometime uh, in the past, people used to say that we came here empty and were filled up by our environment. Um, It's because of that delta brainwave state where we're really very receptive. We're not really the ones that are giving. You know, if we came here and said, this is my authentic self, deal with it to our parents, then we might, you know, maintain that authenticity. Or... On the other hand, if we had parents who mirrored our authenticity for us, then we could maintain our authenticity. That rarely happens, unfortunately. It's happening a little bit more regularly these days than it used to, but it still is very, it's still not, it's still too rare. 
Um, so, so that's from zero to two. From from two to seven, we uh, are receiving more data, uh, and uh, the brainwave pattern changes from delta to another brainwave pattern pattern that's also very very receptive, and uh, it it we don't really get. Um, we're not really putting ourselves out there much unless we've had at least some mirroring for that self. So from zero to seven, we have formulated an identity. And then we live that out. And when we become adolescents, one of the points of adolescence is to, uh, uh, to identify with something more authentic. Unfortunately, what happens is we just start looking for different mirrors. So I was identified with the mirrors that my family gave me. Now I'm looking for the mirrors my friends give me. And, it's, uh, and, and so we end up just doing what our friends do because that's what they need us to do. And it's not generally until we start getting into serious relationships. And I'm not talking about high school dating, the, all the angst and the drama of that, although that can be pretty serious and even life-threatening at points for some children. But... But I am talking about we're ready to commit now. We're ready to really be in, in a marriage or be in a, a partnered relationship. And uh, so when we get the, to that point is when we start running into different mirrors, hopefully. Or we at least have that opportunity. Again, unfortunately, very often what we do is pick out mirrors that are very similar to our family and or friends. Generally, family, because it is that's where it started, and so our identity is then propped up, and we we don't live out of our authenticity. We live into a relationship based on our identity. So here's how that would look: If I am Superwoman, and that's my identity, then I'm going to meet up or partner with somebody who is most likely to need me to be their Superwoman for them. So this is going to be a, could be somebody who's like a victim, uh, who is somebody who does not believe that they can handle life, or it could be a what uh, what's called in my book a, a party dude or a party dudette, what uh, also known as the Peter Pan complex. Um, this is somebody who's decided not to grow up. They're just, no, not going to do that. And they've had lots of help in not doing that. They've had enabling parents and or siblings who have said, you don't have to worry about life. I got you. And they didn't know they were saying that. But again, it's a trance state. We do what we don't know we're doing. And so um, they continue on in that pattern. So so Mrs. Superwoman marries Mr. Uh, Mr. Peter Pan. Or Mr. Superman marries Mr. Peter Pan, or however you want to think about that. It you've partnered with somebody who's going to prop up your role. So what happens is Peter Pan helps Superwoman believe that she's truly Superwoman, and Superwoman helps Peter Pan believe that he's he or she is truly Peter Pan and can stay that way. So they help each other stay in those roles and. When that starts becoming very painful for either one or both, which it's much more likely to become painful for the superwoman than it is for the Peter Pan, because the Peter Pan's getting all the perks. Bet you can't say that three times fast. Um, so what's happening there is that 
Peter Pan is being taken care of. Whatever he needs or wants, she needs or wants, is being taken care of. And if he wants to go out and gamble all the money away, well, she doesn't like that. But, you know, she's going to fix it because she's superwoman. That's what superwomen do. And um, if he is... Uh, if he doesn't take care of the kids, well, she just steps up and does his job for him too. Things like that. So he's getting all the perks. He doesn't really have to change. There's no misery that pushes him to change. On the other hand, Superwoman's getting fed up. And that is when maturity is knocking at the door and saying, well, maybe now she's ready to experience her own authenticity. Unfortunately, for a period of time, She's going to try to push away whatever quote-unquote negative feelings she has about her husband because she loves him, because she doesn't want to get him divorced, because she's worried about the kids, because of all kinds of reasons, because it's not financially feasible for her to get a divorce, all kinds of reasons. But ultimately, if she pays attention to those feelings, they're going to have a push and a push and a push, and it'll be a little bit like that Chinese torture where the 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 where's chinese drip the the drip water is constantly dripping on you until you really just can't stand it anymore and that's when she has an opportunity to go no i don't need to be with somebody i have to take care of i'm tired of taking care of everybody ah this is great this is an opportunity now she's got an open door to something more authentic um so this is how what we call negative feelings can be so helpful to us you know, we've heard, we've heard for the past 10, 15 years so much hype about how we shouldn't have negative feelings and thoughts. We should only keep our our feelings and thoughts positive at all times because if we have those negative thoughts and feelings, well, we're going to attract negative thoughts and feelings to us. Well, I'm going to tell you, Miss Superwoman has been trying hard to think some positive thoughts for a long time, and all she's really been doing is ignoring the drip effect she's ignoring the torture she's ignoring her own misery and therefore not making the changes she needs to make to fix her life so these quote-unquote negative feelings are extremely positive when it comes to how we change a life because they tell us that we're on the wrong path and that is huge so here we have superwoman um, with peter pan deciding that, no, she can't keep doing this anymore. And maybe she'll go to therapy at that point. Maybe not. Maybe she'll just make some decisions. But if she goes to therapy, this is a great opportunity for her to begin to self-assess and to say, wait a minute, how do I get myself in this, myself in this situation where everywhere I go, everybody leans on me to get it done? And the answer to that question, of course, is that she's sending out that information to everyone around her. She's communicating with body language. She's communicating non-verbally. She's communicating with her behavior. She's even communicating with her words that she'll handle it. Just give it to me. I'll handle it. And sometimes even when a woman lands, uh, a superwoman in, uh, lands in a, in a healthier situation, she'll sabotage it and make it into an unhealthy situation by pretty much demanding that she's the one that gets to control and take care of everything. Um, because that's her role, and that's who she thinks she is, and if she's not that, then who is she? This is the time when we face what's called an existential crisis, where my I am is called into question, where I'm asking, who am I now? If I'm not superwoman, then who am I? So I've used that role because it's a common one, 
Uh, and it could also be Superman. It doesn't have to be Superwoman. Super Rescue or Superhero. Um, those kinds of things. Uh, because it's common. And and it, it sort of gives us a very clear picture of that dynamic. Now, what's likely to happen is that Peter Pan, if she leaves him, is just going to go find some other superwoman to rely on. And, uh, or, and so he'll, he'll, he, he or she will go find someone who will take care of them. Be it get all attracted to that person, woo that person, put some energy into wooing that person. And, and, and the way they charm is by being funny and by being um, um, charming and by being someone who, who it needs people and someone who has lots of friends and someone who always likes to have a good time. And Superwoman's attracted to that because she's very serious. Superman is attracted to that because he's very serious. Um, and somebody who wants to make them laugh, well, that's, that's great. You know, that, this guy's a lot of fun. We have so much fun together. Isn't this great? This is going to be so much better than all that work I've put on myself before. And so they slide into that dynamic, and then eventually what happens is it begins to become unraveled, and she begins to see, or he begins to see that, oh, my gosh, I'm in a caregiver role again, being superwoman. And and you can add some other things to that, and we will in the next segment. But but the point is that uh, what's happening here is because of these quote unquote negative feelings, she's getting an opportunity to take a, a a bird's eye view at her life and see from that transcendent position that she's been doing the same thing over and over, looking for different results. Why did she become superwoman in the first place? That's going to be a big deal. Um, so she, she became superwoman in the first place because that was the role that fit in her family dynamic the best. That's what everyone sort of sh- gently shoved her into doing because that worked in that family. In that family trance where everyone was doing what they do without knowing what they're doing, this superwoman role fit in neatly to the dynamic of all the people involved. And so she did it. Um, it could be any number of situations from mom is sick all the time to I've got to take care so that I have to take care of that and the other kids or or just an expectation that I'm a super achiever uh, from fa- mother and father or lots of things, lots of different things could have created it. But ultimately what happened is that she learned that this is how I will survive in this family. And then she put that role on and she did it and did it and did it and did it and did it, did it hoping that eventually – Somebody would step up and say, hey, I love you just the way you are, and you don't have to, maybe you don't have to keep doing this. Or maybe I could keep doing this, but somebody will love me anyway. Either way, she's looking for somebody who will make the difference, make a real connection, a valid connection. But she can't find it because she's not valid. She's not real. And that's what it takes. This whole maturity process is one of becoming authentic, becoming who we are. So we're going to talk some more about that right after the break. Stay tuned for more. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Are you just getting started on the path to metaphysical healing of yourself? Would you like to have some fun as you find out more? Join Julia Stubbe each week as she guides you through the Energetic Toy Box. 
This show will gift you the basic foundation and tools as you discover your spiritual path on a deeper level, encouraging the exploration of many facets and concepts such as chakras, healing, meditation, crystals, and more, so that you can use these in your daily life. The Energetic Toy Box is here for you every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific on 7th Wave. When you learn to see things from a spiritual perspective, it changes the way you see virtually everything in your life. Listen for Dr. Paula Joyce and her program, Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. Our program will help you get rid of the negative aspects of your life and invite love, joy, and prosperity into your life. Turn that negative feeling into a positive one. Tune in to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit, every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Being Here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss Being Here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane, right here on the 7th Wave Network. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. Listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1 866 472 5795. That's 1 866 472 5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And the Authentic Living Show is sponsored by the American Institute of Holistic Theology. AIHT offers degrees in interfaith and interspiritual educational programs that enable you to not only find your own authentic spirituality, but to bring your unique gift to the world in service upon graduation. At AIHT, you can get a master's, doctorate, or ministerial bachelor's degree, and the doctoral programs are broken down so that you may get a PhD, a doctor of ministry, or in the Holistic Theology program, a Doctor of Theology degree. The programs in which you may get these degrees are Holistic Theology, Holistic Health, Holistic Ministries, Metaphysics, and Parapsychology. These courses offer depth and meaning to not only your own spiritual search for truth and meaning, but to your capacities to bring your healing, loving, guiding gifts to the world. The population of students includes doctors, lawyers, healers, nurses, ministers, counselors, psychologists, social workers, nutritionists, herbologists, homeopathy practitioners, psychics, mediums, and many others who have a special gift but need to learn to hone it and credential it. It also includes students who simply wish to enhance their own profound spiritual journeys. What's most important to AIHT's model is the exploratory nature of studies that reach to the depths of all the world's religions, traditions, and paths, and even to transcend them to find the mystical core of them all in order to facilitate your own journey to your own authentic spirituality by utilizing as your text-writing teachers spiritual experts from all over the world. 
You can learn more about what's offered by going to www.aiht.edu. Or if you'd like to talk directly to the admissions director, call Beverly Love at 800-650-4325. That's 800-650-4325. You know, Oprah says education is the key to unlocking the world, a passport to freedom. Call and get your passport today. And we're talking today about how it is that we grow enough to actually earn the right to have a healthy, happy, authentic relationship between two authentic people. Well, of course, the answer to that is we become authentic. But that's a process. It's a journey. And it's a journey into maturity. One of the things you hear people saying all the time now, uh, very regularly on places like the Today Show and Oprah Winfrey's uh, shows, different shows, Super Soul Sunday and others, um, is the idea that when women hit 50, they stop caring about what other people think. And I, my, my response to that is always a giggle because, I, of course, I'm over 50, so I can giggle. But, but the point is that um, we, we wait till we're 50 to decide that. And we don't have to wait till we're 50 to decide that. We could uh, get there a lot earlier. And, in fact, I have met a few young people in their 20s who really – are not just trying to be different as a role or a mask or costume, not in a case of what I call the terminal case of uniqueness where everything they do is just I've got to be different because I can't be like everybody else, um, but rather genuinely determined to be true to who they are. Um, and I think we're going to see more and more of that as time goes by and parents learn how to mirror a child's authenticity. Uh, and, but that's a process, and we can talk about that on another Another day, how to parent an authentic child. We have talked about it before and we'll talk about it again. But the point I'm making today is that this, this journey into authenticity is a journey. And it will take some time from when we get to the point of going, oh my gosh, I'm living in a mask and costume. This isn't really who I am, to actually being able to live from our authenticity. That in and of itself is a journey. And I can't say how long that will take. It's different for different people. I've seen people sort of just leap right into it. And I've seen other people take three, four, five years to actually be able to uh, manifest that. But the other part of the journey is the waking up to the fact that we are living in a mask and costume and that this isn't who we really are. And part of the reason that journey takes so long is because we are taught not to feel, quote, unquote, negative feelings. And we've been being taught that. Since the age of reason began, a couple of three or four centuries ago. So this is not new because the emotions are considered to be frivolous and, you know, they change and people's moods change and people's uh, feelings change. And one day you're feeling one way and another day you're feeling another way. And so we think, oh, well, they can't be counted on. Only reason can be counted on. So you see, even in that endeavor, we were seeking security, which is an emotional base. <laughs> Interesting. So when when we when we try to not feel those feelings that we consider to be negative what we're doing is postponing our authenticity. I want to say that again when we're trying not to feel those feelings that we consider to be negative we are postponing our authenticity. So maybe 60 and I definitely have worked with people who when they finally wake up to that, oh my gosh, I've been living this all my life and it isn't even who I am. And they're in their 60s or early 70s and they're 
and they're just so sad that they've missed all those years when they could have been being more authentic. At the same time, they're also very happy that they now have an opportunity to do it. So, uh, you know, what I'm saying to us, to, to everyone is this. The more you try not to feel what you call negative feelings, the less authentic you're going to be. And that is not what we're hearing from teachers around the world. We're hearing from teachers around the world that we're constantly supposed to be grateful. We're constantly supposed to be thinking positive thoughts and drawing positive things into our lives. We're constantly supposed to be keeping our head into our vision boards where we can see clearly that we're going to have that dream we want to have. So let me say this really clearly. I have nothing against optimism. I'm a optimistic person myself um, and I and I have nothing against genuine positive thinking but I do have something against anything that isn't genuine and when we're tr- trying really hard to not let ourselves think negative quote unquote negative thoughts we're, we're not being genuine this is contrived this is not genuine and so what I want to say is the journey of maturity is a journey to genuineness. And, it, and, and that, that journey means really starting today. Today. If you're out there listening to me today, you can start today tuning into what you're feeling and letting it be what it is without judging it, without telling it it has to change into something else, without trying to tell yourself that you're grateful when you're not, all that stuff. You don't have to do all that. Just be with what is. Just be with what is inside of you right this minute without judging it. That is what we do when we meditate, and we can learn to do that in our walk in, into conscious living as well. So, so in order to find Mr. and Mrs. Right, we have to be able to be right in ourselves. We have to be able to be authentic. Now, does that mean we never, ever, ever again have a ne- uh, 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 an inauthentic gesture, thought, posture, whatever? No, of course it doesn't. The jour- I don't think the journey to authenticity ends till we're dead. Uh, I would hope that just before I kick, kick out of here, <laughs> that I'll, I'll know for sure that everything in me is authentic. <laughs> I probably won't. Maybe next life or the next life after that. But the point is that I will have gained as much authenticity as I can possibly gain when I get to that point because that's my effort. And if we make it our commitment to really be with ourselves in that way, then we, the journey to authenticity will be much more rapid and we will be able to, to have those dynamics that we hope to have in our relationships. So, okay. How do we attract Mr. Wrong, Miss Wrong? And, and by that, I'm not talking specifically about heterosexuality. I'm talking about all kinds of res- relationships, gay, straight, bisexual, people, transgendered relationships, whatever. So the idea is that we're, we're looking for something real, something authentic. But what we want is for the other person to be authentic without us having to do it. It just doesn't work that way. I wish it did. We all wish it did, but nope, it doesn't. We have to do the work. Um, so, so when we're attracted to Mr. Wrong, it is because we have, I said this in the beginning, and I'm going to try to explain it in a little more depth now. When I am living, like for example, we used the word superwoman identity in the last segment, so we'll stick with that for a minute. When I am living into the superwoman identity, what's happening is 
I am my I've got uh blinders on. I can't see on either side. My peripheral vision is shut off because I'm wearing blinders that mean I can only see what will prop up my identity. I will I do not get attracted to anything that scares my identity. It you know, authenticity would scare superwoman identity because somebody might say why why do you think you have to do everything here i'm just as capable of doing as you are sit down let me do this you know um that that piece is scary to someone who's living in identity so the blinders keep out all the stuff on either side of those blinders that we don't want to have to deal with and, of course, again, we don't know we're doing that, but, again, I say we're in a trance state. So an identity is a trance state, so I'm, I'm, I don't know that I'm shutting out other possibilities, but I am. So Mr. Wright could be standing right next to me in the theater line, but I won't see him because I've got eyes only for people who will prop up my identity. And uh, so I'm going to be attracted to Peter Pan's or victims or somebody that's going to make me know that it's okay for me to keep being Superwoman. And... Someday I'm going to get tired of that, and then maybe I'll wake up. But that's how attraction works. And the other piece about attraction is it comes out of the unconscious. We get attracted to whatever is unresolved. We get attracted to whatever is unresolved. Why do we do that? Because the psyche is seeking wholeness. The psyche is not necessarily seeking a relationship, believe it or not. (laughs) The psyche is seeking wholeness. And so what it wants to do is wake us up to our wholeness. And in order to do that, we're going to have to get bumped around a little while. So we're going to get attracted to whatever is unresolved. So, for example, if I had a father who was very neglectful of me and a mother who was not available and I became superwoman in order to deal with that, then I'm likely to be attracted to people who neglect me and uh, push me to be superwoman. Because I have not yet resolved that issue inside of me. I still think that if I could just be strong enough for mom and dad, then maybe they would love me in the way I always hoped they would. That's a bargain. Bargaining is a stage of grief. It goes denial, anger, sorrow, bargaining, and acceptance. And there's no specific order to that. It comes and goes randomly. But bargaining is where we very often get stuck. So when mom and dad didn't love me the way I hoped they would when I came here, which all of us have some kind of ideal image of being parented in a loving way, we all sort of instinctively know, and if we've come here from other lifetimes, we also know that there's a certain way to be a good parent. And when our parents don't live up to that, we grieve. We're heartbroken, but we quickly step into a role to fix that. So we stepped into the role... And now we're living out the role, and the role is a bargain with the grief. It says, if I can just be superwoman or whatever role I've chosen, then my parents will finally appreciate me and love me, and we'll stay connected. This, this thing that I do for them connects us. So, you know, so when I run into another person who's just like my parents and get attracted to them, 
I'm placed in that exact same scenario, which gives me an opportunity to grow past it. And that's why I get attracted to Mr. and Ms. Wrong. So I can grow past it. Not so I can stay with him or her for the rest of my life. Although that's what we think. We get attracted to somebody. We're supposed to stay with them the rest of your life. No, maybe they just came to be your teacher. Maybe they just came to wake you up. And that whole thing is very, very important to the process of authenticity that will ultimately get us a relationship that is real. And the other thing that can happen uh, and does happen very often, as I've seen when I work with couples, is that um, a couple can come in to therapy, for example, or can live their lives in such a way that they sort of bump into this, uh, and they live into their variant roles, and they, um, that, that role keeps them sort of stabilized for a little while until something else happens, like they have a baby or they have to move or uh, death of a parent comes or something happens that, that makes for some strong emotions be, to need to come forth. And, and or there's the slow drip effect of constantly having to be in the role and not liking the position we find ourselves in. And that that dynamic begins to shift and they come to therapy and they begin to go, oh my gosh, I've been playing out this role. Uh, you know, I've been Peter Pan and you've been Superwoman or I've been the victim and you've been the abuser or I've been the caregiver and you've been the caregivee or one of those. Some, some kind of role is playing out. There's several of them. Those are just a few. Um, and I am... N- uh, now wanting something different with you. Can we do this together? And both of them make a commitment to try to start becoming more authentic and things begin to change and they get that authentic relationship in the one they're in because both parties begin to really work on sharing what's really going on inside instead of pretending what's going on inside is not going inside while they fake it with each other and want intimacy at the same time. Because you see, vul- relationships have to have vulnerability in order to grow into intimacy. And intimacy uh, is essential to the makeup of a true, authentic relationship. If you don't know what's going on inside of me and I'm just guessing about what's going on inside of you, then we don't have an authentic relationship. If you're not really telling me what's real inside of you, then I don't really know you. How can I be in a relationship with someone I don't really know? If I'm not really telling you what's going on inside of me, then you don't really know me and how can you be in a relationship with somebody or love someone you don't even know? But we do that a lot and we play guessing games. Well, I, th- I think he's thinking this and so and so and so. And we make that story up and we tell it to ourselves and we live it out as if it's true. And then people come to therapy and go, well, this is what I think you're thinking. And the other party goes, what? I'm not thinking that. That's, I've never, never thought that. You know, so then we get acquainted with what's really going on in the partner. So it can happen even in a relationship once you're in the relationship, but it takes the work of both parties really committing themselves to being authentic first. And if the relationship happens to break up because they're being authentic, well, then it breaks up. Not easy. It's a risk you take. But the truth is that if it's going to be authentic, you have to be willing to take that risk. And so, you know, there are lots of ways to go at this thing of authenticity. It doesn't have to happen when you're single and you've broken up with somebody and your heart's smashed to smithereens. Uh, It can happen in lots of different ways. 
So uh, the, the other piece is that there are many different emotional dynamics that fall into this uh, thing about playing out the roles. And we're going to talk a little bit more about those uh, after the break. But it's important to know that whatever the emotional dynamic is, vulnerability creates intimacy, and intimacy is the stuff of authenticity. Intimacy means you get to see the good, the bad, and the ugly. It doesn't mean you see only the sweet and the nice and the lovely and the I love you and let's don't ever fight. That is a fantasy. That is not real. It's not going to be real. And honestly, I worry more about the relationships where people don't fight than I do about the relationships where two people do fight and fight well, especially fight well. But even if they're fighting not so well, at least something's coming forth that happens to be real. So this whole thing of being authentic is a journey into the good and the bad and the ugly. And we're going to talk some more about that right after the break. Stay tuned for more. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. On the program Inside Out, our outsides match our insides. Join host Beth Green along with co-host James Maynard for an insightful weekly journey that lets us all be real with no boundaries. We'll discuss current events, interview amazing guests, challenge old ideas, and see ourselves and our world more clearly. It's about you as much as us. So you're invited to call in, write in, and most of all, tune in. Listen for Inside Out, live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Are you ready to shift into higher consciousness? Are you ready for contact with beings from higher dimensions? Ancient and new spiritual technologies will help you take that evolutionary step. Find out more about this powerful shift when you tune in to Conscious Evolution Radio with Ann Gelsheimer. Let's help humanity evolve, bringing in the best possibilities and ideas that our world needs right now. Conscious Evolution Radio can be heard live every Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Are you a spiritual seeker? Have you always pondered the deeper questions in life? Have you looked at many spiritual paths and found some answers but are looking for more? The Open Door, brought to you by the Summit Lighthouse, brings you each week practical spiritual teachings and tools that promote self-mastery, higher consciousness, and the opportunity to connect with the Ascended Masters. Join Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy as we explore the universe of spirituality. Live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the 7th Wave Channel. Be visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll-free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, 
Back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back, and I want to tell you about Super Soul Sunday coming up uh, this Sunday with Paralympian Amy Purdy. And she talks about how to create a new vision for your life. Oprah's joined by this Paralympic bronze medalist, snowboarder, and Dancing with the Stars finalist, Amy Purdy, for an inspiring conversation about rising above your circumstances, living with the spiritual courage and the power of visualizing your dreams. After losing her legs uh, at age 19 as a result of bacterial meningitis, Amy has led an adulthood of extraordinary accomplishments representing the power of inner strength as she continues to overcome obstacles and live as a role model for those who have faced challenges in their lives. In the conversation, Oprah and Amy also discuss the importance of positive energy, recognizing love and how it shows up in your life, as well as her new memoir, On My Own Two Feet, From Losing Legs to Learning to the Dance of Life. Most recently, Amy was part of Oprah's multi-city arena tour that traveled through the United States in the fall of 2014, where Amy honored local women who are making changes in their communities and inspiring others to do the same. Listen to this clip from the Oprah uh, Super Soul Sunday show. It was that moment that kind of prompted me to ask myself this question. If my life was a book and I was the author, how would I want this story to go? And I thought, well, I don't want to see myself as this sad, disabled girl. I know that. I don't want other people to see me as that either. I thought, what do I want to see? I want to see myself walking again gracefully. And I wanted to see myself somehow sharing, somehow helping other people through this journey. And I saw myself snowboarding again. And I visualized it so strongly in that moment that I didn't just see myself carving down this mountain of powder. I could feel it. I could feel the wind against my face. I could feel the beat of my racing heart. I could feel my muscles twitching as if it was happening in that very moment. And I didn't know how I was going to do it, but I knew that I was going to do it. Beautiful. That's what it takes. That kind of commitment to being able to bring your own authenticity to the table, regardless of the challenges. And uh, so you want to be there 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern and Pacific this coming Sunday to hear from Paralympian Amy Purdy. So we're talking today about relationship and how we can actually grow to the point where we can have uh, a really healthy, authentic relationship. So it is a process. We've said several times throughout this uh, show today, we've said it's a process. I want to talk a little bit about the deeper emotional context that we uh, find ourselves in when we are uh, in that process of maybe discovery or maybe blind binding ourselves. Uh, we've talked about superwoman. I want to talk about something that I call the scapegoat identity, and I'm not the only one that calls it that. We typically think of the scapegoat as uh, a child who's being blamed for things he didn't do, but it runs much deeper than that. So it goes like this. Emotionally, the scapegoat is the one in the family system, in that family trance state, who carries all the guilt for all the family. So what that means is mom doesn't like to believe that she's wrong about anything. Dad doesn't like that much either. Brothers and sisters, you know, are taught by mom and dad to give it to Sally. And Sally carries it because that's her role. That's how she'll stay connected to this family is by carrying all the guilt. So she goes around feeling like a bad guy 
but she's also she could also be um, not. She, there's two ways she could go. She could be the black sheep of the family, which we pretty much know what that means. Or she could be the one who's always striving to be so good by taking care of other people. So she'll find herself in the caregiver role many times. But mostly it's because, not because of superwoman or superhero or rescuer, but rather because she feels so guilty that she's constantly trying to prove her worth by being a good person. And how we discover that somebody is good in this life is if they're very good to other people and they don't think much about themselves. And a person can live into that identity unto the point of absolute exhaustion. So that, you know, they're, they're just completely depleted of all their resources, but also still feeling very, very guilty about being depleted of all their resources. Because how can they do that when other people need them so badly? And other people must need them because that's how they prove that they're good. So the scapegoat identity is a very complex thing, and it can lead to serious depression. So, and, and, and if I'm in that in a relationship, if I'm in the scapegoat identity, I'm liable to attract or be attracted to someone who will blame me, someone who's very emotionally uh, dense, <laughs> if I can say it that way. They're not really uh, paying much attention to their emotions. They just project them onto other people. Someone who does not do a good job in terms of carrying their emotions at all. And someone who's basically not responsible for their own well-being. And this is, so Superwoman will step right, not Superwoman, excuse me, Scapegoat will step right into that and, uh, and, and take over. And just be the one who carries the guilt, the one who carries all the hard feelings, the one who notices what's going on with the person and reaches out to them first because they are not responsible for reaching out. They have to be reached out to. And eventually they begin to wonder why it is that they're so there for other people and nobody's ever there for them. And the reason nobody's ever there for them is because nobody ever has to be there for them because they never require it. They never ask for it. They don't send out the message that they have just as much need for connection and and, and depth understanding as does everyone else on the planet. They don't send that message out. They send out a whole other message and the message is, I don't need anything. You need something and I'll take care of you. And everybody hears the message and everybody responds. And the people that are living into an identity where they don't have to be responsible for themselves are going to be real attracted to that because that's somebody that will take care of them. So then we're again invited into a relationship with Mr. or Mrs. Wrong. And it it may take us years before we wake up to see that this is just not working. But it's not just not working in relationship. It's not working at work either. For Superwoman, Superwoman's the one who is going to have the boss who just asked her to get it done yesterday. And guess what she does? She gets it done yesterday. And then he begins to count on her more and more for that. And then one day she's so piled high with stuff that everybody else isn't doing. And she's wondering why everybody else is sitting around on their thumbs in the office while she does all the work. Well, she set that up. She didn't know she set it up, but she did. She told everybody without saying a word, I got it. I got it. Give it to me. I'll handle it. And when she can stop doing that and start saying, no, this is going to be yours. This is going to be yours. This is going to be yours. I'm not doing that. And even if you don't do it, I'm still not doing it. And it just won't get done. And then because it was assigned to you, you'll be the one in trouble. And I'm sorry for that, but that's how it is because I'm not doing all your work for you anymore. Um. 
and it's, it's that same dynamic at home to be able to put up that boundary and say, no, I'm not going to do this this way. I'm not going to be the one to take care of you when you don't take care of yourself. I'm not going to be the one that does all the housework. You're going to have to join me in that. I'm not going to be the one who does all the caregiving for the children. You're going to also have to help me with that. You know, that, that, that thing. That more and more people are beginning to say, and this used to be just the role of women who fell into that category, but it is not just the role of women. I see just as many men that fall into that category of caregivers and superheroes and uh, supermen and scapegoats, as do I, I see women. An even more complex role would be the one where we live out the black sheep because the black sheep is identified with being a bad guy. Not only do they carry the guilt, but they carry the guilt out in action. So they become the guilt. They, they become the bad guy. The one that gets in trouble with the law or has lots of problems with legal issues or that kind of thing. And uh, that person is going to want to attract somebody who will continue to tell them they're bad. And that's a very, very sad place to be. But we don't think of it that way. We think these are just bad guys who scum of the earth, need to be kicked out. Just get rid of them. You know, and they think that way about themselves. So um, this is an identity that's difficult and complex as well. And, and and when we get attracted to a, a scapegoat black sheep, then um, it's difficult to work with that because there's this energy that says, "No, I got to stay a bad guy. I got to. You can't. No, no, I can't do that." And um, so that may mean leaving that person and getting on to something more realistic. And unfortunately, uh, it's possible that once you leave them, they will wake up. But it's also possible that they won't wake up when you leave them because that just convinces them even more that they're bad guys. But that's not your problem, and it's not one you can solve. They need to go to therapy and get some help. Um, So what we're talking about is these are identities that keep us from waking up. And the waking up process is one where we go, oh, I'm doing all this stuff that isn't real for me. How do I know that? Because I've got these other feelings going on inside of me that just don't match that thing I'm doing. So I'm, I'm, I'm taking care of all your needs, for example, but I really am starting to resent it. I'm starting to really begin to really resent the fact that you just won't step up to the plate and take responsibility for your own life. And I want you to, and I, I want to give you a lecture and show you how to do that, but you don't seem to be getting it. You don't seem to be awakened up enough to see that this is something you've got to take care of. And so what am I going to do about that? Well, I can't fix you. That's not my job. My job is to become authentic. And your job is to become authentic. So if I'm trying to fix you, I'm trying to do your job for you. And that's not likely to work. So... The object of the game here is for me to begin to feel the feelings that I've hidden from myself and give them a name and let them be heard every time they want to come up because they will guide me into something more authentic. And, and, and they will tell me when I'm doing something that betrays me. Because the first thing I have to own before I can own anything else in this life is me, my real me, the authentic me. Before I can act, absolutely walk on the plane of planet Earth with my own feet instead of somebody else's feet, I have to step into my authenticity. It is the answer to just almost all of life's issues so that we really can see that, oh, okay, now I'm being me. I've got these feelings that are, are 
telling me about how I feel, then I've got these thoughts that I can use to think this through and make a plan, and then I can do something real. That's how that works. So feelings that lead to thoughts instead of feelings that get brushed away. Feelings that lead to thoughts that are willing to hear and see and name the feelings that lead to plans that lead to action. That's the authentic pathway. And that's the process of becoming healthy enough to earn a healthy relationship. Because it absolutely is something we earn. It is not something that just drops into our laps. As I said before, the psyche is always leaning toward wholeness. And it will draw us to those things that are not whole yet. So that it can create wholeness in those areas. And if we're listening, it will bring us to a whole relationship. If we're not listening... It won't. And it's really that simple. So the answer to the $65,000 question uh, of what does it take to grow to the point where we can have a good, healthy relationship is we have to be that authentic, healthy person in order to have that authentic, healthy relationship. So that's it for today. We're going to be back again next week to talk some more, and you want to be here for that. We're on Wednesdays at 1 o'clock Pacific, 4 o'clock Eastern, 3 o'clock Central. And um, so you want to be here every week to hear what we have to say. And if you don't get to hear it live, you can always go to the archives. They're filled up with lots of great messages. from. I've just talked to so many wonderful people on this show. And so you can check out the archives anytime at all. Remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.